Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hey guys, Aust here. Two months ago, we told you we were at the point we had been striving for for so long. We were ready to try doing a weekly podcast. And so we jumped in headfirst for a two-month trial of doing a podcast every week. And man, it was a wild ride. (laughs) I hope you really enjoyed it. We really enjoyed producing the show every week. We loved staying in touch with you that much and getting that much information out. I love being able to stay in touch week by week following Homesteady's journey, our journey on the farm, and getting all the great interviews that we were able to get you over the last couple weeks. But here's the thing. The problem with the podcast, right? I don't know what you think because all I'm doing is talking into a microphone. I don't get to hear your input. So here's what we're going to do. We made our two-week mark. Our two. We made it to our two-month goal. We're going to be taking a couple weeks off here. Uh, we're putting together a special survey on the website that we want you to go fill out. It's not ready yet. I will release an update podcast as soon as it's all ready for you. Me and the Homesteady team are going to take some time to talk about our production, uh, get our opinions on our end of how things went, but we most importantly want to hear your opinions. We want to hear what is your favorite production that we do. Do you like the monthly show better? The monthly show is a bit more edited. It's a bit more uh, special. We put more time into a monthly show than we can in a weekly show. Uh, but you only get one a month. A weekly show is a little bit less edited, but you get to hear more information and more stories. And I want to know what do you like better because ultimately we're making this show for you guys and we want to be able to produce something that you enjoy listening to. We also want you to get your opinion on how we've supported the show over the last year or so. Uh, there, you know, We've tried different kinds of monetization and different techniques. And so this survey will go into all these questions. So it's not ready yet. We'll, Like I said, we'll do an update. Hopefully by next week we'll have it all ready for you. I have a very big event on the farm this weekend. I hope you can join us for it. It's the Apple Orchard Workshop event. That is this Saturday coming. Dave from Northeast Edible is coming to the farm to teach us how to build an orchard on our homestead, how to plant, start, plan, all those things. And Dave is going to be teaching that class I would love it if you could join us here in Connecticut. There are still tickets. They're only $7, and they just help pay for Dave's expenses getting here for the day, bringing his materials. And you can buy some really cheap apple trees that day while you're here. He's going to have a whole bunch of different apple, pear, all kinds of different fruit trees. So hopefully you can make it to the special workshop this Saturday. Uh, i got to spend a lot of time preparing for that. We have some people coming already I'm excited to meet, and hopefully you'll be one of them. Then next week, we'll get cracking on putting our survey together, and soon enough, we'll have an update for you. You will not be getting a weekly episode of the podcast for the next couple weeks because our two-month trial is over, and now we want to get your feedback and learn from you, find out what do you really want from us. 
And once we know that, we can excitedly come at this uh, all, all hands on deck again, depending on the feedback that we get. So we'll have some updates for you soon. Until then, enjoy this episode. It is a, uh, a recording of the live stream that we did on YouTube on Tuesday night. We did a little spring updates episode, and I figured you would enjoy listening to the spring updates, hearing all the work we've been doing on the farm. We have been very, very busy, and we're almost done with our big goals for spring. By June, we should be able to uh, settle down and enjoy the efforts of our work, but we're getting there slowly but surely. Thanks for listening, guys. We're looking forward to hearing your feedback, and we will talk to you in a couple weeks. Uh, so tonight we're going to talk about our spring on the homestead, some of the events that we have been busy preparing for, some of the big projects that we've been working on. We're going to talk a lot about upgrade improvements on our homestead and some tips that we might have for any of you who uh, are looking to do some upgrades to your homestead, maybe some plans for the future. And we'd love to take some question and answer time, and we'd like to open up the microphones tonight and uh, include your calls on the show. So if you would like to call in on the phone, you can dial 347-202-0228. Be sure to press 1 after connecting to get into the queue. So we have a really exciting show tonight, guys. Just a a lot to talk about and a lot to get into. I'm really looking forward to uh, chatting with you guys. And if you have any questions that you don't want to call in, just tag at Homesteady in the comments box, and I will be sure to get to it. So we're going to jump right into things tonight, updates from our homestead this spring, and I get to talk with you guys too. So let's get into this. The world that we live in is a crazy place, but you and me, we can each make it a little better. We can live a more sustainable life. We can become more self-sufficient. We can get more connected with the planet around us. And we can do all of this together. So everybody, cozy up. It's time for another episode of Homesteading. All right, so everything looks good here with our sound. Looks like everything's working, and be sure to let me know in the chat box if we have issues, guys. So let's talk about spring on the homestead. Spring is every year, probably as any of you listening who have any kind of small farm uh, or small homestead know, spring is crazy. And it's one of those times that we look forward to all year long. Uh, we really are excited about spring. We want to get started as soon as we can in the winter time. And by about June, we look, you know, we wipe the sweat from our brows and we look back and we say, wow, where did the time go? <laughs> it flies by and it's very, very busy. Uh, our spring has been no different this year. It has been one that is jam-packed. And we've been really focusing on improving the infrastructure to our farm. And we're going to get into, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of the big projects. We've shared a lot on YouTube about those projects, and we want to make sure to share some of that with you guys. So uh, don't forget, too, at the end of tonight's episode, we're going to do another giveaway. So if you're here at the end of the episode, we're going to be giving away another prize uh, for our 10,000 subscriber giveaway. So be sure to stay put for that. So the, the big updates that we focused on this year on our farm, we have learned lessons over the last few years. We have realized that infrastructure is king. 
when you want to run a farm, when you run, want to run a homestead, when you want to have livestock and animals, uh, it's very tempting to run out and buy those animals. Uh, it's exciting. It's fun to bring animals onto the farm. Uh, maybe if it's not even animals, maybe it's plants. You go out and buy some transplants or you buy a bunch of seeds. And as fun and as exciting as it is to bring those plants and those animals onto the homestead, if you do it before you have the right infrastructure, you'll learn some hard lessons. And we have, over the years past, learned these lessons in multiple ways. <laughs> We've had animals that have escaped. We've had bad quality pastures, which didn't allow us to uh, run the animals in a healthy spot. It caused problems. We've lost animals. Uh, and so we've just we've learned this lesson the hard way years years past. You have to have good infrastructure. It makes your life easier. It makes your farm run smoother, and it makes you enjoy homesteading and enjoy farming so much more when it is all going smoothly. And so this year we focused on a couple problems that over the last six years now of homesteading on this property, uh, we addressed some of our biggest problems. Some of the things that took us the most time, the most work to take care of, uh, we, we targeted those so that we could improve our year on the homestead. And we targeted those early. We really got to work. Uh, we were fortunate to have a very forgiving winter this year. It was not too hard. And we were able to get started working in February. February was warm. It was beautiful out. And so we got a great head start on our season. So the biggest problems that we have in the years past face, first off, uh, our main barn where we keep most of our livestock in the wintertime, it was not functional. The barn had a really, it was hard to keep clean because it was on a gravel floor. And even with gravel, which drains nicely, uh, if you put a layer of hay down, it still can get all gunky and mucked up. And it just... It's hard to clean. It breaks pitchforks. Uh, it did not work well. So cleaning the barn was hard. Keeping the barn neat was hard, uh, which meant keeping a healthy, a healthy setup for your animals was difficult. It also meant it was hard to winter animals, especially animals like pigs, because if you have pigs in that barn when it's cold, uh, they make a big mess. All the poop and all the hay that you have to clean up, it just gets disgusting. <laughs> So we addressed the, that issue, and we also addressed another glaring issue with that barn, which was that we didn't have a road to the barn. So all winter long, we couldn't plow to the barn, which meant the barn's a good distance from our house. We'd have to trudge through the snow to get there and trudge all the way out there carrying feed on our backs, carrying hay on our backs, uh, because we couldn't. Uh, we couldn't drive there. We couldn't deliver feed there. It was just not a very good setup. And one of the biggest lessons we learned with infrastructure is make sure all your barns are easy to run, good to run, and easy to get to with a vehicle. And so this year we targeted that barn first and foremost. That was February. We poured a concrete floor in that barn and we cut a road into that barn. That was a life changer. Now, pouring concrete in the barn, it was a lot of work prepping. Uh, to get the concrete truck there, we already had to cut in a, a rough road, so we needed to get an excavator on the property. 
Uh, a lot of you know, I've talked about this on YouTube a lot. I'm very fortunate. My father is an excavator. He's had an excavating company. <laughs> that sounds funny. He's not an excavator. I like the machine. Uh, he runs an excavation business. And he has, I actually worked with him for about 10, 15 years uh, before I was self-employed with doing what I do now. And so I grew up running the machine. So I'm able to, in the wintertime, borrow a machine that's sitting, that's not doing any work during the winter and uh, spend some time in those machines. So we cut a road in, we took a ton of fill out of that area. And then we were able to get a concrete truck into the property all the way back to that barn. Uh, a concrete truck, you know, they're, they're built for site work, so they don't need a perfect road. They can drive across dirt and rocks. Uh, you know, you just need a basic, you need a basic path for the truck to get there. And we were able to put that in. And it was a lot of work. Uh, but getting the truck in, it went smoothly. The pour went excellent. I had a, an uncle who has a landscaping company uh, who does a lot of brick work and uh, concrete work. He came and helped me out for the day. And uh, one of the things we do all the time with projects here on the farm is barter. And this is something that no doubt you other homesteaders uh, are probably very active doing. We have a surplus of meat from our homestead. We have a freezer full of chicken and a freezer full of pork. And so anytime I can, friends and family who come here to the farm to help out, I always love trading some meat for some some skilled labor. So I had my, my uncle here. He was running the bull float, which was smoothing the floor out really, really nicely. And he went home with a lot of uh, a lot of pork, pork and chicken. So that's that's a nice way as you're growing your homestead, get yourself a couple deep freezers and keep them full, because oftentimes it's it's a nice way to say thank you. I feel it's a little bit nicer with friends and family to give them this prized, beautiful meat uh, than it is to you know hand them money. Money is fine for people you employ or if you know someone's down and out and they need it. But for a family member or a friend who comes by to help, it's just nice to give them your beautiful farm fresh goods. So uh, I see some Flying Dutchman made a comment in the chat box, barn floor drain to center and out. So we did put a drain in the floor and that's a great tip. Uh, in the barn, we made sure to have an area it doesn't actually have, well, it has a PVC drain that runs out, but it also is surrounded by gravel. For So for this center spot, the water can get into the gravel and drain out. And it, I'm telling you, concrete floors, this is one of the biggest things I have learned. Since we finished the floor, and that was back in March, we've had all of March and all of April, uh, and now we're getting into May here, cleaning this barn, and we've housed pigs in it through some cold weather. And the barn has never been so clean. Uh, so make sure that if you're thinking about it, uh, making that upgrade to a concrete floor is well worth it. And it was not that expensive. We needed, um, if I remember correctly, we have about a 16 by 16 barn. And I did a walkway outside. We needed maybe three and a half, something like three to three and a half uh, yards of concrete in the truck. And it was somewhere around $600. So an incredible increase uh, for the property. Incredible plus for the farm. The barn is working great. It feels like a real barn. It's easy to clean and easy to use. And that makes such a big difference. So that was our first, our first big change uh, for the farm. And it's been going 
really, really well. So we've been really excited about that. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So let's talk about our next big update. The next problem that we faced, and this was a major problem. It's something that's been plaguing us for, shoot, <laughs> a couple of years here. Uh, the issue of not having good pasture on this property. When we moved in here, uh, this was not a farm. It was not a working farm. There was no, no fenced in area, no fields, but we saw the potential. We knew we could improve it but we also knew that improvement was going to take a lot of work. And so we've been slowly, uh, the first year or two, we fenced in as quickly as we could the back corner. And we just, we did very, very bootleg busted fencing. We took that woven wire. We had a couple old spools in the woods on the property already. Fortunately, they were here when we got here. And we just rolled them out, T-posts. We stapled some to trees. It was not best practice, guys. It was just a couple, a young couple with very little money who had to just take advantage of whatever was there and they could use to get off the ground with their homestead. And if you're there right now, trust me, it's better to do what you can. We've been there. We've been broke where buying one box of U-nails is about all we could afford. And it was like, you know what? We're going to nail this into some trees and see what happens. And we've had old crappy fences for a long time. We've had very little good quality pasture and we've made it work. So don't let it stop you if you can't afford to put in brand new fields and high tensile fencing and everything else, all that fancy stuff. For the first couple years on the homestead, it got by, it got us by. And we've been raising pigs for so long and uh, the pigs, they don't seem to mind the lack of uh, perfect pasture. They they do like the grass and we were always able to keep them uh, close enough to fresh grass where we could either let them in and out every day into the fresh grass for at least an hour uh, or bring them garden clippings or something like that. Uh, but as we got into more ruminants, we got into goats, we got into sheep, uh, we thought about the idea of maybe getting a cow. And as we got further and further down that path, uh, and we started bringing more goats and more sheep onto the property. We really saw 
it became very clear that it was not, we did not have the right pasture for that setup. And it became very apparent last year because uh, last year we, we brought on more sheep and goats than we ever had. And the pastures were just plagued. There was too many animals. The quality of the pasture was not there. And we were, we had too many animals and too little pasture. So we dealt with worm issue. <clears throat> Excuse me. We dealt with worm issues. We dealt with overgrazing. And it got so frustrating and so hard that we just said, you know what? Forget it. And we got rid of the sheep and we got rid of the goats for the wintertime because it was just too difficult to keep them. But we realized the value in having these animals on our farm. We we personally love the meat that you get off goat. Goat is a delicious, really flavorful, great quality meat. Uh, we love lamb meat. Lamb meat's fantastic. And a major part of our homesteading effort goes towards meat because I feel it's one of the easiest ways to feed your family from your your homestead. Meat is such a great way to take care of a major part of your food. If you figure every meal, if you eat at least 30% to 40% of that meal is meat, then if you can raise your family's meat, you're raising 30 to 40% of your food. That's an incredible amount of self-sufficiency. And so we wanted to bring goats and sheep back. And we also were seriously thinking about bringing cow. Cow's cow or cows onto the property, but we couldn't do it with the pastures that we had. So what did we do? Well, we had this very low area on the property, uh, this very highly sloped, it was an extreme slope, so you couldn't use it for good pasture. It wouldn't keep grass. And the, the soil there was all, it was very sand. It was pretty much sand. So we wanted to take advantage of this area but it was just too steep and not good quality soil it just wasn't usable well when we put the road in for our barn we wound up cutting a major amount of material out we had to lower in some areas four or five feet to get the road in on grade and so now we had tons of extra material so for a couple days i had a dump truck we have an old farm dump truck on the property and uh, the big excavator. And I, again, bartered with my old man this time. I got my dad up to the property and he spent a couple days running a truck. I was running the excavator and I filled him up and sent him with all this material down into that lower area. And we filled it slowly, higher and higher and higher, flattened it out to the point where we have added acres onto our usable area. Now, part of that was from filling. Another major part of those acres that we've added has come from clearing. We've cleared a major part of our uh, wooded area and not, we didn't clear it with from every tree. Uh, there's some real benefits to having trees in your pasture, especially mature trees that your animals aren't going to kill. Uh, we are blessed to have lots of uh, big, big oak trees on our property. We have some giant red oak trees that you couldn't put, a grown man couldn't put his arms around the trunk. And they shower acorns, just shower acorns in the fall. So we have cleared lots of the forest, the smaller uh, hemlocks and pine trees to make room for some fencing 
So we can go in there. We're, we've opened up the forest floor to so we can grow some pasture mix. And we have increased our pasture. We have probably increased it five times what it was. I haven't actually done the measurements yet. That's something I have to get to. We're in the middle of this project right now. We literally have just finished the clearing. I was out today in the excavator just finishing up some last little touches. It's beautiful. Uh, it's going to be so much better for not only our animals, but the wildlife. If you think about a mature forest that's nothing but just tree after tree after tree, uh, that's like a wasteland to animals. Oak trees are nice, but if you have, well, like the forests that we have here are mostly just hemlocks, and hemlocks are evergreen. They keep the forest fuller shaded out. Nothing is growing. That's a wasteland. It's no good to deer. It's no good to turkeys. It's no good to birds. Uh, nothing can grow in the mature forest. And that's why when we look at the natural cycles in nature, uh, we look at what a forest fire does. It goes into a mature hardwood forest. It burns up those trees. It opens up the forest floor, uh, opens up the canopy. So now light can hit the forest floor. And suddenly life just bursts forth with all kinds of scrub brush, insects, small mammals. It just becomes this beautiful, lush area full of life. And so... That's what we're mimicking. We're opening up the forest floor. We're going to be putting some seed down in there, some pasture mix, and just bringing life into that area. Some of that life will be our farm animals that we bring in and uh, have there, you know, eating acorns and being fed and watered by us. But then there'll be lots of benefits to the wildlife too, which not only is wonderful to have more wildlife on the property to enjoy, but as a hunter, that means I'm bringing even more food into the property. And one of the areas we really cleared a lot from was our food plot. We have a food plot up in uh, the ridge behind the farm, the, the house here. And uh, I spend a lot of time hunting each year to put, again, meat in the freezer for my family. And a food plot is a tool that you can use to, to bring wildlife in I especially like it on my home property because I like to take my kids hunting and I like them to actually get to see something. A lot of times when you go out hunting, you can sit there for you can sit there for a couple hours and see nothing. So I'm trying to improve the chances that my kids get to see something while we're out uh, and keep the wildlife centrally located coming towards my property and not running away from it. <laughs> so we've spent a lot of time clearing in the woods. I have uh, last couple weeks cut way back on my production of YouTube videos because we have been so busy. Every free minute has been spent in a machine and uh, improving the area around us and the forest. The forest, it's going to be better for the trees in the forest now. It's going to be better for the wildlife and it's going to be so much better for our farm. So I'm really excited about these changes. We have another major a project that we have been preparing for, and that's our orchard. And uh, we're going to talk about that. I want to take a minute here uh, to uh, just get our commercials out of the way. And when we come back, we're going to talk about all that we've been doing to prepare for our orchard. And we'll take any questions that you have uh, that you've already tagged at Homesteady. I'll give a quick look as we cut away to the commercial break here and uh, see if we can answer some of your questions, whether it be on food plots, whether it be on the pasture, the projects we got here, the barn. Fire away any questions. We'll be sure to get them after a quick break. Hey, I'm Joe.
So guys, here on YouTube, uh, your commercial is different than our prepper broadcasting commercial. If uh, you guys want to help support what we do here, our live, our live shows, you can do that through the Super Chats feature. And I thank any of you who uh, have super chatted in the past or who will super chat in the future. It helps us do these live shows, and we really appreciate it. So thanks for being there, guys, supporting our channel. And right now we're doing a giveaway. So like I mentioned, at the end of the show tonight, we will uh, be running this giveaway. Uh, we'll be announcing another winner from someone who's here live. So if you're here live, you'll be able to take part in that. So thanks for joining us, guys. We'll be done with our commercials over at Prepper Broadcasting in just a minute. And be sure to fire off any questions that you have. And uh, if you want to call into the show, you can do that. The number is 347-202-0228. So if you call that number, then press 1. And I'm going to put that number in the chat box now. Then press 1. You can call in and uh, ask any questions or share a comment. So here it is in the chat box. So be sure, guys, if you have any questions, uh, tag at Homesteady or call in. Or call 800-923-9591. That's harvestright.com or 800-923-9591. So we're back. And uh, I want to talk about our orchard. The big plans... But before I do, I just want to cover, we had a question from Lineflyer. He asked if we had raised and eaten geese. Lineflyer, we have not, we have raised geese before, uh, but we have not eaten them yet. So, sorry, can't help you there. Uh, we had a question on Prepper Broadcasting. Uh, what is your YouTube channel? <laughs> so guys, just search YouTube. Uh, in YouTube, just search Homesteady and you'll find our channel. Going through, seeing if we have any more questions here, guys. Just be sure to tag at home study. It makes it easier to find them. Uh, Lionflyer asks about peach trees, pear trees. Do we use pesticides for the bugs? Uh, I got to say, Lionflyer, we're new with our uh, orchard, our apple trees. We've only had the trees in for one year. Uh, but we had some great advice a couple weeks ago from Dave from Northeast Edible. Uh, if you go back and look at the episode about orchards, he shared some stuff, some good tips on getting rid of the pests. And then Line Flyer Boy, our uh, most most questions for the night award goes to Line Flyer. How many eggs do we produce weekly? Uh, weekly, that's a tough one. We probably get about six eggs a day. So you can do the math there. So let's talk about our next upcoming giant project, our orchard. 
we talked about this in a, an episode or two ago. We talked about the whole idea of how planting fruit trees is a, a great decision for any homesteader uh, because those fruit trees can yield year after year after year and improve your self-sufficiency. It can improve uh, it can improve the amount of food you're able to get off your property. It can do so much better. And the beautiful thing about the fruit trees and the orchard is unlike a garden, which every year you have to repeat so much of that work. You have to replant. You have to thin. You have to go through all that same work every year, year, year. The orchard, the fruit trees, those keep producing year after year. They And if you do it right and if things go well, they can produce more and more with less work. So we have... We have... Sorry, guys. Camera just cut out there. We're back. Uh, so we have uh, really focused our efforts this year on instead of gardening so hard and, and uh, vegetables, uh, we're going to lean heavy into fruit. Uh, we have a caller who's calling in, Rose. And before we dive into this topic, we'd like to take Rose's call. So let's put Rose on. And uh, just give me one minute here to configure this so we can hear Rose. Hello. You there, Rose? I'm there. Welcome to the show, Rose. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. I'm I'm Rose from Wholesome Roots, and I was hearing you talk about inviting the wildlife back into your new pasture area and and how great that would be for hunting, etc. And then you started talking about the orchard, and I was wondering, what is your plan to keep? the deer from eating any of the orchard trees or your garden or anything because that's one of our biggest obstacles here on our farm great great question rose we have uh the area that we're going to be putting in the orchard is it's further away from where our, our forest our pastures and our food plot is so if you can picture our property is a very long property uh, it's uh-huh. it's longer than it is wider. It's not like a square. It's like a long, long rectangle. And at one okay. of the far corners of that rectangle is where all our livestock and our garden is. And that back corner has a fence, which is not deer proof if you had nothing else there stopping them, right? So it's only a four foot high uh, or maybe five foot high woven wire fence a deer could jump over that no problem but we have livestock all in that back corner and so that will kind of prevent the deer from coming too close to that area i also keep my dog in that area his his outdoor pen area is in that area so he keeps him out throughout the day Uh, but then at nighttime if all the animals are in and the dogs in the deer are still going to be able to get in there and so our plans for the orchard itself, and it we haven't had a big problem with the garden because the garden it just wasn't a high enough value, uh, high enough value. What's the word? Temptation for the deer to risk going near a dog or going near our other livestock. Right. Um, but I'm sure the orchard is going to be. And Dave from Northeast Edible warned me about that. Uh, so what we're going to do is use a combination of electric uh, high tensile. And also just electric, 
you see like this the tape the electric strip tape yep uh and one thing that i have seen which works really great for electric for the deer instead of doing imagine like two or three strands one above the other for your fence for the deer where they have just a single straight like vertically they're all in a row and they could kind of leap right over that deer have very bad depth perception and so Uh. What they say you should do is you do two strands, one low and one high, right one above the other. But then your third strand, you actually bump out from the other two and you make it closer to them and kind of in between the lower and the higher one. So now you have a 3D fence. Yeah, like a stair step or even um, even like a triangle with the closest strip out being kind of the apex of the triangle. And uh, okay. so, so what you're creating is a 3D fence. And because deer have bad depth perception, they're more likely to get bump into that first one that's sticking far out because the first one sticks further out than the other two. And right. they're much more likely to wind up getting zapped on that and then taken off. So if you have a very powerful charge and it's got that 3D effect, that I have heard – now, we haven't tried it here yet because we haven't needed to, uh, but our plan for this is either electric high tensile, where we can electric high tensile, and where we can't, we're going to go with that 3D uh, 3D electric tape. Does that make sense, Rose? That does. That does. That's similar to what we were thinking about possibly having to do in our orchard area because the deer have been almost killing our young yeah. pear and apple tree. They'll hammer it. Um, yeah, they're really, really bad. Um, one of the other things we looked at doing is a like a um, one of those net fences, like the Premier One fences, yep. and doing ducks out in that area to keep like guard ducks, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, certain animals, deer are easily spooked, and uh, certain right. animals will definitely keep them away. Uh, you might look into geese because I know geese can be protectors of the flock. They're a little bit bigger; they might make a bigger fuss. Um, yeah, the premier, the one thing with the premier one fencing, uh, because we use that here, we've in the past partnered with premier, they make awesome products and I love their stuff. I'm no longer partnered. I don't get paid to say that. I just love their stuff. Um, but it is, if you have a large orchard, the, the, the netting can get very pricey. And the thing I don't like about the netting is the, the maintenance is tougher. So you have to make sure the ground is clear so you have to weed whack that or some people will spray pesticide if if they go want to go that route we didn't want to use pesticide so we had to weed whack uh, the bottom of the the netting so that three the the three tape method the the two tape and then the one sticking out it's going to be easier to maintain because you could walk with a weed whacker right underneath that at once a week just real easy without moving anything you could go and cut and even with that, you might not even need to because the strand that's going to really get them is the one that sticks out at them. And so yeah. you, you may find that's an easier method that's more effective because a deer can jump over all those fences from Premier One. Just to give you an idea, we had a goat. Her name was Lido, and she's she was very much like a pet, way less like an actual piece of livestock. <laughs> but uh, Lido could jump right over that. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like every goat, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
she Lita would jump over that fencing no problem if there was the slightest little dip and she was not as tall as a deer and you know deer are very very athletic they're very you know they can jump really high really fast uh, so the the woven wire if you're doing it already because you want to have ducks in there then yeah I'm yeah the electric netting if you already want to do that then that's a great way and if you have some geese in there or something that's going to make noise and uh, cause a fuss, then that sounds like a really good method. But if you're just trying to keep something out of your orchard, you might find that that, that three tape method, that 3D fence method works really well. And I got a resource for you, Rose. If you search on YouTube, growingdeer.tv, um, there's a channel, Growing Deer it's called, and they're, they're a hunting channel, but they talk a lot about using electric fences to keep deer out of areas. Part of what uh, they do is they they build food plots and they keep the deer out of them for six months out of the year so that they're really lush and green and healthy. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. And so he'll show right. you, he'll break it down, this process. That's where I learned about it. Uh, he's a wildlife yeah, biologist. The guy's a genius. Grant Woods is his name. We've had him on the show in the oh. past. And um, he is he's just a wealth of knowledge. And he'll show you in the video exactly how to set that up. So we don't have a video to share, but go check out growingdeer.tv and uh, search, you know, electric fence or um, uh, food plot, that sort of thing. And I'm sure you'll be able to stumble across his method. It works fantastic. So I hope that helps, Rose. It does. Thank you so much for answering my questions. Sure. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for calling in, Rose. We love having callers. And if you'd like to be on the show, like Rose was, guys, just call 347-202-0228. Be sure to press 1 after uh, so you can get into the show. Thanks for thanks for the question, Rose. We've been getting a lot more questions here. And uh, over, let me see here. I want to make sure I'm not missing any. We have been asked, <laughs> this was funny, as we were talking to Rose, uh, somebody mentioned that their problem was not deer, that it was kangaroos. So I love how international our audience is here. This is just fantastic. So let's see. A shout out for us in Australia on Silhouette Park Farm. There you go, guys. Silhouette Park Farm. Thanks for listening. We got Australia listening here and sharing in tonight. So that's awesome. Let's see. What breeds of chicken do we have for layers? Justin asks us. So Justin, we have right now... The only chickens that are laying eggs are our Araucanas. My son's got the little the the, the uh, chickens that lay those nice bluish green tinted eggs, and they're doing fantastic. We also have one single um, brown chicken. I don't remember what kind of chicken that one is uh, in the mix. Our up and comers up and comers for the year. We have some Rhode Island Reds. Uh, they're pretty much an old faithful you can't go wrong with. So we have some of those we're raising. We bought some very special uh, blue marins for my daughter. They will lay a dark chocolate egg. My son 
has the blue eggs. My daughter has the chocolate brown eggs. And mine has everything else. So that way we know whose eggs are who when we go to collect them. But last year we sold all of our egg layers. So we've been eating my son's. And I've had to pay the kid to get uh, to get eggs on the table. <laughs> so uh, we, we, we work it out. Brian. Brian, the uh, suburban escapee's husband, Brian. So Alexia does our write-ups. Brian's with us tonight, and he asks, have we thought about bees? Brian, I will leave the bees to you guys. <laughs> Kendra used to raise bees, and she was uh, – it's something I think she would like to do eventually. Again, she did it with her dad. Her dad was a, a, a bee guy. I have – I, I don't, I'm not comfortable around bees. I've been stung a lot of times as a kid and I had some, a couple of those experiences where you're, you throw a rock. This sounds bad. I wasn't throwing a rock at the bees nest. I was working and the job was to clean rocks out of the lawn so it was my job to throw rocks into the woods i wasn't targeting the bees nest uh, but i was take picking up rocks like i said my dad ran an excavation business we were cleaning up a, a property and i was just chucking rocks into the woods and i just chucked this rock not looking and all of a sudden i feel them on me the bees just going nuts and i took off running and this is not the only time that's ever happened to me. I've stepped on nests in the woods and just, I have some bad bee experiences. And all that accumulated to just getting skeeved out by bees. Now I know I don't want to malign the honeybee. These were not honeybees. These were yellow jackets, which are not the same thing. And we have a really good podcast all about bees where we defend the bee. <laughs> but for me, I just, I can't handle being around a swarm of bees so that would make me a pretty bad bee guy so we'll leave those to maybe maybe my kids and my wife will do in the future we actually have looked into getting someone who does a bee service where they'll bring the bees onto your farm and they'll take care of the hive and check in on them for you so we'll see that'll be uh maybe in the future you'll see that So Lineflyer wants to know what varieties we planted in the orchard. Let's get back to chatting about the orchard. It's 940, and uh, I want to make sure we uh, talk about this big orchard project because we actually, this Saturday, are putting the orchard in, and you guys can come and join us for that event. The, uh, the orchard planting is taking place 10 o'clock. We are located in Connecticut. Uh, tickets are 7 bucks, and I know what you're thinking. You're selling tickets to help you plant your trees. The tickets are to pay to get our instructor here. I am not teaching the class. <laughs> Dave is teaching from Northeast Edible. He's coming, and he's going to teach us how to put trees in. Uh, so we're helping cover Dave's expenses for the day. He's coming from New Jersey, and uh, he's going to teach us how to do it. He's going to bring things. Uh, he's also going to be selling trees at the farm, which are going to be an incredible, incredible deal. He's got some really great bundles, and you can check those bundles out if you go to northeasteditablenursery.com. You can see the bundle options. He's got a beer brewing, a beer brewing bundle. He's got a, um, what else does he have? He's got a uh, small beginner orchard bundle, some really fantastic deals. But Dave's coming to teach us how to plant 
our trees. And uh, if you guys want to come to the event, tickets are seven bucks. Uh, you can go to thisishomesteady.com right now and uh, right on the homepage, click the button. It'll take you to the spot to buy your ticket. We have planned in the orchard a huge variety. We have apples, we have pears, we have peaches, we have nectarines, we have mulberries, we have cherries, persimmons, pawpaws. We're putting blueberries, raspberries, an incredible diverse array of fruits. And one of the things that one of the things that um, Dave talks about is diversified. If you have an orchard that has just a hundred apple trees in a line and a wasp or a, a pest shows up that likes to eat apple trees and apparently according to Dave everything likes to eat apple trees, he will take out tree after tree after tree and they'll just grow and grow and grow. But if you diversify, just like we see in nature, if we look out in the forest, you don't have a hundred oak trees in a row. You have oaks and you have birch trees and you have maple trees and they're all mixed and matched. That helps biodiversity. It helps confuse the pests, helps keep things running better. So we are mixing and matching two of every kind of fruit. We have some nuts. I think he's bringing in some... Um, some nut tree, I forget which kind. Uh, Dave's the mastermind behind the design. Uh, he's going to be bringing all these in. We're going to be putting two of each kind all over the place. And then on some of the borders, he's going to be putting, we're going to be putting our berry bushes. So it's a really, really cool project. We're going to be taking video. I'll make sure that the, uh, the video gets uh, we'll have some of the clips on youtube we'll have some of the whole event but if you want to be here in person uh, to join us uh, just we're in connecticut go to the website you can find all the information at thisishomesteady.com the area where we're putting the orchard it used to be our secondary pasture area and so it's a very fertile area there's uh, a lot of there's a lot of um, fertility there because we had these animals we were running in the grass, they were, you know, pooping, manure, hay all over the place. I could see as we were preparing the spot, the difference in the in the color of the soil versus where we were excavating for our road, for example. But just to make sure we, we get off at the right foot, uh, to prep for the big orchard install, I went and bought five yards of topsoil and compost mixed. So it's a 25% compost, 75% topsoil. And a great tip I have for you guys, if you're looking to start, you know, a big project and you got to buy a lot of compost, a lot of topsoil, if you can find a way to buy it in bulk, just to give you an idea, I know you go down to Home Depot and you can pay for a small bag, you pay like 10 bucks for a little bag of the stuff, maybe 20 bucks for the organic stuff. And you just get this little bag, you know, for something like $10, $20. I just picked up per yard. $22 per yard. A yard is a like a three by three, right? <laughs> Accountant Mike should be on here to correct me on that. I'm sure someone in the chat box will help me remember what a yard is. But um, just a ton of material for $22 per yard. I got five yards. I got a pile out back. It's a mountain. I'll use everything up in the orchard. And then whatever I don't use there, we can throw back in the garden. Uh, but it was so cheap. And then we have a pile of wood chips on our property. Every time I see the tree cutters coming by, I tell them, guys, if you're cutting trees, I got a spot you can dump them. 
I have a separate driveway just for the tree guys to drop their, you know, their cuttings. And so we have just a huge pile of wood chips. They drop them and leave them. And I use them for the gardens, for weed suppression. Uh, We'll put them after we plant the apple trees. We'll cover the mounds with wood chips. That'll keep the weeds down. That'll help hold in moisture. And uh, it'll just be really good for the health of the orchard. So a lot of uh, a lot of material for very little money. And we're going to have that all on hand on Saturday. So if you can join us for the live event on Saturday, um, you'll get to see Dave's method, how to plant things. You'll learn about the design of the orchard. And then you'll get to see how to use your compost when you're planting, how to use the wood chips. I'm familiar with the process because last year we did a, a video and with Dave where he taught us this and you can check that out on the channel, go over to YouTube and you can see the, uh, what we did for that, uh, the Dave's method. Uh, but if you want, like I said, if you want to learn a person, we have this awesome event and we would love to see you guys. We'd love to actually meet you in person because we've been broadcasting and podcasting and videos, but it's really cool when we actually get people here, we can shake hands and, uh, you know, get to know a little bit better. And it'll be a really fun day on the farm. I'm sure my uh, my wife will bake something yummy and uh, the kids will bring out their special. My son's got a signature lie made. Maybe I can get him to put that together. So I want to take a few more questions here. We got about 10 minutes left in the show tonight and we have a lot of questions. So make sure to tag at Homesteady if you want your questions answered. And uh, we are, I am checking the Prepper Broadcasting chat too, guys, if you have questions. So just tag at Homesteady. It helps It helps make the words pop. It gets hard and sometimes to catch everything. So we talked about the varieties. Be Not Slothful asks, have you considered meat rabbits? We would love to do meat rabbits. I think that'll be something we do next year. Uh, meat rabbits are, we finally found a source in the area. I'm going to go do an interview with them, hopefully in a month or so here. And... Uh, then maybe next year. This year we just have too much going on this spring. It has been crazy. <laughs> Excuse me. Talked about bees. Oh, interesting. Limeflyer says mulch only works in the north. It makes great ant beds in Texas. It doesn't work. Uh, Justin wants to know what a pawpaw is. Justin, go and listen to the interview with Dave. We talked about pawpaws. They are a... uh, I've never even had one. We talked about them the last two weeks, though, because we talked about them foraging, too. So if you want to know what pawpaws are, the last two episodes, last two live shows cover that. see any more questions look like they covered most of those so I want to talk a little bit about uh, for the last few minutes here um, a little bit about what we have planned for the show in the upcoming weeks and months we have been experimenting with so many different things with homesteading we've been doing the live shows on Tuesday nights we've been doing the week weekly podcast we've been doing we used to do the monthly podcast. We were doing videos on YouTube. 
And uh, Good Game Bees in Homestead says, our cow podcasts have them looking into a cow. My apologies. <laughs> so we've been trying all kinds of different stuff because I'm a media creator. It's what I do for work. Podcasting, video creation, um, all this stuff. It's what I do for my living. And so I love trying new things and experimenting with new things uh, here on YouTube, uh, on uh, the audio, the podcasting route, with Prepper Broadcasting and over Blog Talk Radio. We've been sending a podcast out with iTunes for the last three years. We've been doing all kinds of stuff. And we really want to know what does our audience like the best? Because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm the kind of guy I like to do a couple things really, really good instead of all the things poorly. And I don't want to try to do everything and do stuff less quality than what we have been striving for since day one. When we first started the show, the goal was to be as best as we can quality-wise. So we're going to be releasing a survey very soon at our website, and hopefully by next week it'll be up and I can let you know. And uh, we're going to be asking you guys, what do you like? What are your favorite things that we produce? Is it the podcast? Is it videos? Is it the live stream every Tuesday night? What is it we want to know? Because we want to do that the best that we can. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We have another caller, guys. We have Kelly in the queue. And I'd like to take Kelly's question or chat with Kelly, whatever Kelly's got planned. Uh, so let's bring Kelly on the show. And... Uh, and then we'll close out here. We'll do our giveaway. Are you there, Kelly? I am here. How are you, Kelly? I'm well. How are you? Th- good. Thanks for coming on the show, Kelly. Certainly, certainly. Hey, I was going to uh, just simply ask. I noticed, or I heard that you said you have thought about bringing in a bee service for pollinators. Have you given any thought to any kind of uh, permanent fixture this year uh, to attract pollinators? That's a that's a great question, Kelly. I actually have one. It's my house. <laughs> I have an <laughs> entire population of honeybees that are living in my house. And I'm sure someone would probably tell me, like, this is really bad for your house. You shouldn't have insects living in your house. But I don't have the heart to do do anything bad to them. And I know there are people who can do removals uh, and move them elsewhere. Uh, but I actually like seeing them buzz in and out every day. So that's probably probably foolish of me. But we haven't looked into other um, other actual permanent structures. What do you have in mind, Kelly? I, I was just wondering if, uh, you know, maybe you were going to plant a, a permanent flower bed or put in a carpenter house or, you know, anything... Anything you thought might work best in your area? You know, a flower bed's a fantastic idea, and so much of um, so much of this property now that we've opened up, you could do wildflowers, you could do something like that. Uh, we are fortunate; we have right now on the property a couple different flowering trees, which in the springtime bring in tons of bees. But you know, those the flowers fade, and we don't have a. Uh, we don't have hardly any flowers throughout the rest of the year. We're so focused on your typical, you know, crops that are going to produce food and we haven't given enough attention, mostly because we don't give a whole lot of attention to the garden period for reasons we've previously stated. I have a bit I'm not a gr I do not have a green thumb and we do like to focus mostly on the meat. 
but it is a fantastic idea, Kelly, and it's something that it's one of those one of those things that as we continue to progress and uh, do more on this homestead, it's something we should have on the list. I know it won't make it there this year. <laughs> we're about ready <laughs> by June. I think we're about ready to uh, to throw in the towel and say we're not doing any more projects because we've been working. We were we got a head start in February, which was nice, but we're getting tired. But um, yeah, that's a great idea. It's something we should do and something people should definitely look into. Do you have on your homestead, Kelly? Is that something you do? Um, we, I'm actually going to put in uh, as many as I can fit around the edges. Um, Mexican sunflowers, which are kind of the size of a daisy, but they grow six, seven, eight feet tall. Wow. Almost like a bush. You almost have to support them, but they are really good at growing wild and uh, attracting everything from a butterfly to a honeybee to the ones you don't want wasps wow. and such <laughs> that's awesome we'll have to look into those especially because if you grow a big flower it kind of you know gives you a little bit more for a little bit less work than a lot of little flowers unless it's the wildflowers kind of thing <laughs> well thanks for the idea right. kelly i'll have to put that on the to-do list you already got me work for next year <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm here for good appreciate it well thanks for calling in kelly we, we like having you on the show uh, thanks for calling in tonight guys uh, we're bumping up on our uh, just a couple minutes left in the show and i want to make sure we get to do our giveaway uh, so last week we weren't able to include uh, both chat boxes but we're going to do that this week so here's how you win right now just text either in prepper broadcasting or over on YouTube. Just text in the chat box, I want to win. And you have a couple seconds to do this. Uh, the way that we choose our our winner is we just do the Google random number generator. And I ask it to give me a number between 1 and 10, 1 and 20, whatever it is. I hit the word generate. It punches out a number, which it already has. And as soon as I see that person... Number eight, Corey Morris. Congratulations, Corey. You are our winner. Did Corey win last week? Corey, if you won last week, people are going to think this is fishy. You'll have to let me know. The name, I for some reason, I feel like Corey won last week, but let me know if uh, I can check my, if not, we'll give it to number nine. But <laughs> So guys, thanks for uh, joining in for the live chat. I'm going to keep an eye out. Corey Morris won last week. All right, Corey. Well, I can't give you two prizes. So right after Corey, let's see. Who is right after Corey? I'm going to go to the box here. You know what? I'm going to get a new number because that just that got a little fishy there. So number five. Number five. Number five was... Corey Morris was eight, seven, six. Number five was over at Prepper Broadcasting. It was... Flying Dutchman. Congratulations, Flying Dutchman. You're a winner. You'll have to email me, Austin, this is Homesteady, and I'll send you the prize. And Corey, don't worry. You got your prize coming, man. So, <laughs> All right, guys. We got a couple minutes left here. So closing, uh, just closing thoughts. This was a fun show, guys. I, uh, We have been so, like I said, spring is a crazy busy time on the homestead. Uh, it's a time when... We never have, we never have enough time to do what we really want to get done. Lost our video feed there in my closing statements. Deep. 
it's there's so much stuff going on that's one of the reasons we really want to know from you guys we're gonna have the survey out soon what do you love what do you want us to do more of uh, let us know uh, we'll have that survey up soon and by next week hopefully we can announce that uh, thank you guys for joining us for tonight's live show and i hope your springs are just as filled i hope they're just as exciting and uh, full of good things to do and uh yeah, <laughs> you can tell, guys. I'm, I'm fried this week. We're preparing for this big orchard install, and it's got my brain full. So I hope to see you at the orchard. Head over to thisishomesteady.com if you want to get tickets for the orchard install. I'd love to see you there. And uh, thanks for joining us for the live show. Thanks for calling in. Uh, thank you so much to all who help support the show. Uh, Prepper Broadcasting for having us. All you guys on YouTube. Till next time, the road is rocky. Make home steady. <laughs>